0: Welcome to the Break the Chains Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolonik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome to episode 17. As always, I'm your host Steve Opolinek. I want to welcome you guys back and talk a little bit about a couple of upcoming events we have going on. On February 1st, the Promethean Project is putting together a wellness festival that's focused on self-care and wellness as a whole that will be at Eastworks in East Hampton February first, ten AM. To 3 to 4 p.m., and it will be called Fill Your Cup, a self care and wellness festival. At the festival, we will be honoring my friend Jeremy McIntosh, who did pass away a a couple weeks ago. Um, We're honoring him with a youth and adolescent art competition. So, youth and adolescent art projects are going to be on display and are going to be available for purchase through silent auctioning all funds goes back to our youth development programs and we will also be having uh, silent raffles a 50 50 raffle and craft and wellness vendors and then we are going to have some professionals come in and talk about self-care and wellness and give you guys a little bit of information and tips on how to practice good self-care and how to take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Our guest today is Andrew Morse. Now, Andrew and I may have met once or twice before. We're not really sure, but this was, um, this came to be because one of my good friends, John Plored, outreached to me and told me about his cousin, Andrew, who's had an interesting life and had some interesting things happen to him recently. And John told me that Andrew has the best outlook on life and he would be perfect for the podcast. Within five minutes of meeting Andrew, I knew John was 100% correct. And if John is listening, he would probably be gloating that he is always correct. Well, I can't deny that. Anyways, Andrew and I sat down and we really got deep into conversation about what chains are. Um, as you know, break the chains, find your flame. We we kind of dive deeper into what chains are, what hold us back, what chain us to different societal norms. We talk a lot about toxic masculinity and how to break free from that chain. We talk about religion and how that was a big chain for Andrew to notice and, and work through. And we talk about his health. Uh, I'm not going to go into depth about what that conversation is about because I think it's really worth you hearing from Andrew himself. Um, He's incredibly well-spoken and his temperament and attitude towards life are amazing and infectious. So Andrew has a lot of good information and, and, and a great outlook at life. So please take a listen. And I am trying to convince Andrew to come and actually be one of the speakers at the event. So if you know Andrew, send him a lot of messages and have him, have him come out uh, cuz i think more people need to hear his message and we'd love to have him. All right, so without further ado, here's Andrew Morse. In a world where humanity's potential
1: is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame.
0: my sister because they her and john dated for a little bit yeah i think this I won't would. be in the podcast so. <laughs> we're
1: gonna leave with this you kidding
0: that um. might <laughs> that'll, that'll be my before the intro I'll just play that welcome back guys uh today our guest is andrew morse do you prefer drew or andrew or Andy? Uh, andrew or
1: Andy is fine okay yeah
0: we'll just do andrew sounds good be professional Ooh, for what? on here for a change <laughs> so andrew i uh, just well, we we were talking about we've met once before, probably most likely, but mm-hmm. um, the reason why you're on the podcast is that your cousin John is a good friend of mine, uh, and he called me up, and by calling me, texted me, and said, "Hey, my cousin Andrew it would be great to have on the podcast," so that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. No pressure. You got to live up to John Floor's, uh oh, yeah. status.
1: Those are expectations. <laughs> I just I just know I'm not gonna strive for that.
0: He's actually in my phone, phone as Lord Plored because when I first met him, he had the long hair and beard going on. His, yeah, he's his very Jesus much that face.
1: Jesus look. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so I just call him Lord Plored because <laughs> I, I like alliteration—not uh, alliteration, but rhyming. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of works. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and a little bit about how your story uh, fits in with what we do here, talking about people breaking through the chains and limitations and finding their, their potential and their fire.
1: Cool. So. Let's start with that because I really like the title of the podcast and the idea behind it. Yeah. Um, Specifically, the breaking of the chains part. Um, I'm really fascinated by how people can recognize what has them chained up. Right. um, Because a lot of that stuff, we might not realize what kind of chains that we have on us. So, um, the title of it, Breaking the Chains. Yeah. um, what does that mean, like, if you're trying to explain that to somebody who...
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a hard concept, because I think it actually means different things for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, me, personally, if you were to ask my brother or sister, it might be a, a little bit different for them. But for me, personally, it really is this idea of breaking the things that hold us back from wanting to try something. Uh, breaking through from the voice of, like, oh, no, you can't do that, or that anxious voice breaking through societal norms where society says, oh, men, they shouldn't talk about their feelings. They shouldn't be open about failures. You know, they shouldn't confess their love for uh, another male who they care about. Um, I've also been reading a book by Liz Plank, uh, which is For the Love of Men, and it's all about how to get rid of toxic masculinity. So it's a little <laughs> little bit flavoring of this podcast. Um but it really is kind of breaking free from those things that hold us back from finding our true potential. And it could be all of those things that I mentioned, or for me, I've talked on here about my anxiety and depression and how food be, became that you know, filler of the void. So breaking free from the chains of, of that cycle. Right, okay, good. Yeah. So it
1: could be something, fear involved, pride, and anything that's really struggle that's making us struggle with whatever right. we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, okay, so now that we have that baseline, <laughs> now I guess I'll... I'll I think you just took the over the
0: podcast, now. man.
1: <laughs> well, I'm fascinated by it. I really like the idea, because when John brought it up to me, I listened to a few episodes, and I'm like, I don't really like the direction that he's going in. Thank you. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll leave that as the baseline. So, mm-hmm. my name's Andrew Morris. I'm 32, I believe, at this point. Uh, hey, age is irrelevant. You like, mid-20s, you start to forget. Um, I have a degree from university of massachusetts a communication major nice i work at a college i tutor students in writing i have a beautiful wife lovely family great friends i I really have an awesome surrounding society um, which really keeps me going um, because we'll probably get more into it later but um... Um, so i've stage four lung cancer and it's spread from my lungs to my ribs to my spine to my pelvis, to my hips, so it's kind of everywhere. And it was something we were blindsided by um, about a, a little over a year ago. Um, and it was, it was a shock or two because I'm not a smoker. Usually right. people associate lung cancer with smoking. And so a lot of my doctors thought when we were pursuing this cough that I had, that it was something with allergies, mm-hmm. maybe some type of infection or something, bacterial. Um, then we just got blindsided by the diagnosis. So for the past uh, about year and four months, it's been very much adapting my lifestyle to kind of figure out like, okay, how do I change my life so I can live with this as right. long as I can, um, and then continue to move forward. That's a, you,
0: you know, that's a shitload of stuff just oh, <laughs> yeah. out there. You know, like, <laughs> hey, we think we're exploring this cough. It could be, you know, some kind of seasonal allergy or some polyps in your nose or something like that, and then. It just kind of blindsided you guys. Right. So how how did you guys, this is a rough question to ask, so Bring you know, it please, please take it uh, however you want to, but how did you begin processing, like once you got that news, I, I imagine it was just like a bomb went off and trying to figure out what to do with it, but how did you start processing, okay, what does this look like, what does this mean, or even like. Like you said, how do you, how do you, uh, manifest more with that moving forward? And yeah. With it? That, that, I think it was more of a bomb for my
1: wife. Okay. Um, I had, it's, it's actually been a, a rough couple of years. Um, my father was, um, fighting cancer when my wife and I got engaged in September of 2017. Okay. And we had, we had scheduled a relatively quick wedding. We had scheduled it for March. So about six months later and, um, his health started to drop in October and my wife's awesome. So she was like, Hey, you know, can we get married right now? Your dad can be there. So he was able to be at the wedding. We did it at the house. Um, He was able to be my best man. And then we lost him like eight days later. Um, So we'd gone through a really emotional time. Mm -hmm. And then we still went ahead with the ceremony in March with everyone else included. And then, right after the ceremony was when I started pursuing the cough. We were just thinking again, probably allergies. But so I've seen the extremes of like both sides, yeah. Yeah, what random health could happen that you're not expecting. Um, My dad was in his early 50s when he was diagnosed, and no one saw that coming. Um, so by the time that I was receiving the diagnosis, I was, I was very prepared for the worst. I'd, I'd already kind of seen the worst, yeah. um, which is not something that I hope anyone has to go through. But having that experience and then trying to learn from it to apply it to your own life, right. that was really helpful for me. Where when the doctor is going over and he's just reading a list of every part of my body that has cancer in it, it's like, okay, you're just taking in his information because I was already ready to say, okay, now... How do i adapt how do i adjust what should i do moving forward um which i'm not big on the like sitting there like woe is me or um why would this happen to someone so young right Um, i'm more of just okay what information can i take and then how can i apply it to my own wellness
0: that's amazing right because i'm sure a lot of people listening right now are like what the fuck do you mean (laughs) you know you saw you saw the things that happened but but how do you actually get to that stage of of preparing yourself and and being like okay this is this is what it is and this is how i move forward and i and i want to talk a little bit more about that but i want to circle back to that um so your wife the bomb went off for your wife so yeah this is an interesting concept because this is a diagnosis that that you're holding but it affects your whole family yep and how do you, as someone who's dealing with, you know, that mortality and, and, and that very severe diagnosis, how do you be able to say, oh, crap, my wife is also dealing with this and how can I help her get through it, right? Yeah. Now that it's all about that, obviously, it's it's a huge thing for you too, but like as being married you are supports for each other. So that's a weird dichotomy, right? Like you're yeah. the one with the diagnosis, you're you're living this. She's also living this with you. But how do you help her process through this, I guess? Yeah, that's, and that's, that's a great
1: way. question too, because I think it's essential anytime you have a relationship with anybody that first and foremost, you have to understand where you're at because if you're not in a position, in a good position, it, it's more difficult to help them. Right. So I make sure that what I do is I make sure that I'm good where I need to be, and then once I'm confident and and um, feel like I have a good foundation for where I'm at, yeah. then I can turn my attention towards her. And not not to say I ever neglect her or anything, right. but just it's I think that awareness is essential because if I'm focused too much on how other people are feeling um, and trying to help them, then that's going to be in turn harder for me to take care of myself. Right. which is going to affect them even more. Right. So I, I really, I've had a lot of practice in understanding now what, um, what balances I need to have to be able to consider my own health, my wife's health. Um, because she's awesome. So I try to make it as easy as, easy as possible for her. I'm like, I, I, I will not hide anything from you. I will just tell you if I'm not feeling well right. or if I have some kind of pain um but other than that like really try not to worry too much about it because um i will let you know right because i don't want it on her mind all the time it's, it's it's good to think and be aware of everything but you don't want it like detracting from your everyday life
0: yeah and in that in and of itself y- you know when you kind of flip the script at me at the beginning of the podcast like oh what does this mean <laughs> for you and i went on that that tirade about uh masculinity that kind of ties in, into it too being able to admit. Like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is when I need support. This is when I need help. Yes. And a lot of people listening might say, well, you know, if you're dealing with something so significant, that would be easier. But there is this weird stigma with men and masculinity where, he, you know, I have an uncle who who died of cancer and he didn't tell anyone. And we're not sure if he knew, but knowing him, he probably did know. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't tell anyone. He had an episode, went right into the hospital and... You know, it had pretty much spread throughout his his whole body, and he was one of those type of guys who was like, "No, you just kind of do your thing and don't admit faults or weakness or need for support." And so, even that, you know, we're t- we're circling back to a lot of stuff and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and- Pour it all in throughout <laughs> this. But even that is is a huge, amazing thing that that you're able to have that conversation with with yeah. your wife. What's your wife's name? Michelle. All right. She's probably going to come up a lot in this podcast, so we're just going to... Shout out to Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. Um, Sorry, my mind just went to the side.
1: Uh, Let's speak on that idea of masculinity. So so I was fortunate to have um, an education in college where I had professors who would expose us to um, gender ideas in society so mm-hmm. we had a lot of practice of, of kind of identifying like what does it mean to be a man in society right and um so we went over a lot of that 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 stereotype of why why men should share their feelings and all of that and and right. kind of the absurdity and the silliness of it <laughs> so <laughs> yes. i was fortunate to have that exposure to where i'm in a position now where it's like i'm not afraid to ask for help i'm not a- afraid to share my feelings if i need to share my feelings like um it, had I not experienced that, maybe in college, I, I don't know if I would have had that approach. Maybe right. I, I would have been like, oh, I'm fine, but something's really bothering me. Um, so if, uh, if anyone's interested, too, there's actually a, uh, a professor that I had at UMass who puts his lectures online for free. Oh, nice. And he will specifically go over um, ideas. He'll do a, a whole um, unit on masculinity, a whole unit on femininity. Um, and he's got a lot of great content, so his name is Sut Jolly, and you can just Google him, and he has his own website, and you click on his courses, and he's got all of his lectures um, videotaped, so he must have some agreement with the college that lets him do that. But, That's awesome. Shout out oh, to
0: Sut Jolly. Yeah,
1: I recommend that for anyone who's just, you know, even if you're bored, if you're like like at home, if I'm just doing the dishes or something, and I just want something to listen to, it's great reminders, um, and it helps you become aware of like who you are in society, and what kind of societal structures are shaping you, yeah. shaping the way that you think. Um, so th- I think it's a great idea to try to understand why you think the way that you think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and I think it's until you start that practice, you're not aware of where it manifests for you. I mean, I know I'll throw myself under the bus a little bit, too, is I've always been big on, you um, you know, holding doors for women I'm dating or, you know, walking on the roadside of the sidewalk so they, you know, they can be protective. And now I do that with my daughter, but that's a whole different yeah. um, conversation. But, you know, and that was kind of ingrained that, you know, you take care of the women when you go on a date, which I, right. inherently is not a bad thing to show that you care But it tends to become a bad thing if you only do that for women, if you don't do that for men. right? And then you actually have to ask yourself that question of why am I doing it? Am I doing it for her to impress her or to show that I can take care of her? Or is it more of like, hey, I'm going to toot my own horn because I'm going to hold the door for you. Or, you know, my move, I think, I can't remember the movie it came from, but uh, A Bronx Tale it came from. My move always used to be this idea of, opening the car door for a woman, right, and seeing if she leans over to open your, like, unlock your driver's side, right? Because <laughs> that, that's strictly from a Bronx tale. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a cool way. And now I'm reflecting on it, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a, a dipshit. <laughs> move. Like, I'm going to judge a person based on how they respond to to me uh, doing something nice for them. Yeah. And, you, you know, I think this is great that we can have this conversation I made a, a bunch of other conversations we're gonna have, but I think this masculinity thing what you're saying is really true because until you start doing the work you you're blind to it and then you just get defensive when people bring those kind of concepts up because you're like, oh no. Um, I had a supervisor amani shout out to Amani a lot of shout outs on this. yeah um, we I had just gotten married and we were talking about having a kid she's like, oh do you want a boy or a girl? And I was like, I'm not sure. You know, I, I really don't care either way, but it'd be nice to have a boy to carry on the, the family name because it's really me my brother and my cousin Chris uh, who would carry on the Apollonik name. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just kind of looked at me and was like, that is so stupid. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I like my family. I want the Apollonic name to be there. She's like, yeah. it's, it's still there regardless if you have a daughter or a son or whatever. And I, I've been meaning to text her. I'll probably text her after this just to that kind of kick started. You know, I always considered myself caring and, and open and, and like really supportive to women and, and men and, you know, talking about this stuff. It's kind of what I do. But even that was like, oh, I didn't even think about how that comes across. Right uh and that really created so, some of my own reflection back into that stuff.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that stuff that we're talking about like being blind to or not aware of, it's so ingrained in society that it becomes imprinted on us without us even recognizing it. So unless you're kind of actively pursuing thought about it right. and um information about it, you might not ever think about it. So right. th- that's why it's like when you have the opportunity to kind of self-reflect on who you are and what makes you you, um
0: I don't know. It's just everyone's better off for it. Yeah, I mean, my dad, I think, kind of sowed those seeds with us when we were younger. He was a colonel in the Air Force. He grew up on a farm, like really strong guy, really family oriented, awesome guy. Uh, I can't speak highly more highly about him uh, if I tried. But his his thing used to always be I don't I don't care what people think about me. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. So he'd wear, you know, he was a lieutenant colonel or a major, and he'd wear like a Donald Duck shirt to an air show or something as he went around and wear bright neon orange or pink shorts or you know and that kind of I had a really hard time with that when I was younger uh, not with him but with my own expression of that but that kind of sowed the seeds and he'd always say you know real men wear pink who cares if you're wearing a color that's supposed to be for a girl I'm doing air quotes um, if you like how it looks if you enjoy it don't be afraid to do it yeah, and I think that's really helped me kind of on my progression with some of this stuff. Yeah. How did so you had that in college, but were there any seeds kind of sowed before that about some introspection on that? Oh,
1: I'm sure. Just anything you're exposed to in life, you have the opportunity to learn from. Yeah. Um, that I would say college was just probably the one that stood out the most because it's actually someone actively encouraging you to engage in those kind of ways of thinking. Um, which is different. You don't really get that just walking down the street. No, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, that's always that's always something to keep in mind too. And then we can even tie that idea into the um, into the, the chains. So yeah. if we're trying to break chains, um, are we aware of what chains that we have? So we kind of discussed the gender ones already. Right. Um, but I think it's also important to realize that we live in a society where. Wherever you go, there's an assault on your senses because people are trying, people, companies, whatever, are trying to sell you on ideas that will chain you. Right. Um. For example, like, uh, do you remember like Folgers coffee? Yeah. Do Do you know their their slogan or their phrase? Do you remember that commercial? Got it.
0: I don't. The best. The best best part part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Right.
1: Right. So you're able to recall that. So, and and it's just like a cute little slogan, it rhymes. It's just, okay, and it's coffee, no big deal. But if you really start to kind of like analyze what it's doing and what it's saying, uh, you start to see, okay, the best part of waking up, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. So what that's telling you is in the morning, your morning, if you want it to be awesome, everyone wants to start off with a great morning. Right. You need to start off with Folgers, Folgers coffee. And that's not, there's nothing significant about that, but what they're trying to do is hook you into that dependence on Folgers coffee where you're you're thinking, okay, every morning I'll start with my coffee. I'm going to have a great day. Yeah. That's kind of a, it's a relatively tame example, but it's an example of, of, of company trying to get a chain on you to hook you. Yeah. Um, so that's a tame one, but then there's also examples that are more extreme. Um, in the 1920s, it was kind of taboo for women to be smoking. It was mostly a men's thing. It was considered like a habit, like a dirty habit. So cigarette companies were uh, looking at that thinking, like, we're missing half of our potential demographic here. How do we market to women? So they hired this guy named Edward Bernays. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he's, his like title is like the father of uh, propaganda, <laughs> which is, is not a really great title that you want, but he was proud of it. Um, so what he would do was he would try to come up with ways to get women to smoke. So his most effective one was, I think it was like 1928, it was like in the late 20s. There was an Easter day parade. He hired a bunch of young, attractive women to be marching in this parade. Mm -hmm. And on his signal, he would say, okay, I'm gonna give you the signal and you pull out this cigarette that you had hidden and light it up and you all start smoking in the middle of this parade. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind it was, these were, that they called them, and I'm doing air quotes now, torches of freedom because this is in the 20s. So we're we're right off of um, women voting, um, women equality. So it's like heavy in the culture, heavy in society. So here he is taking this thing that we now know just absolutely kills people. And he's convincing people that it's not a symbol of death. It's a symbol of freedom and expression. So... What he did was when he had them all do it, he was kind of like nudging the, uh, the papers on the side and, and the press and the media and saying, hey, so I heard something's going down with these women. Like these, they're, these, they're these activist women and they're going to do something. So then the newspapers just bought into it, too. Right. Cause they're like, oh, great story. So then I think you can look it up, too. There's like um, headlines from newspapers at the time that says Torches of Freedom. And they're talking about how all these young women were claiming smoking as like a, a women's right, a, a, a freedom. Right. And so look at how many people in society that he just chained to that idea and were influenced by that idea. Right. And it was just him trying to sell the idea that the cigarette companies wanted. Yeah. So there's Folgers, which is <laughs> not so dangerous, but right. then but then this idea too right and um that's an that's the, the extreme example but like whatever you're exposed to has the the potential to be chaining you so exactly. if you're aware of how you're responding to something um i think that would be essential for trying to identify what your chains are yeah. before you start to break them
0: i think being present and being aware are the the beginning steps you know as a therapist when when people come in that's what what a lot of what we do is, is trying to figure out what your patterns are and what's holding you back. And the number one thing I always start with is, is mindfulness and, and mm-hmm. present being present and being aware of what they are before we can do any changes to it. And some people are, are really into it and they do that work. And some people are like, no, fix it. Um, <laughs> right. And that's, you know, there's a, we could even go into like technology and how it's changed all, all the chains and how it mm-hmm. helps keep the chains going or how it strengthens it or and then you can get into the fake news and all this craziness. Um, we could do a whole podcast on right. just talking about this stuff. Because
1: there's all that outside stuff. Um, but I, I would suggest if anyone's listening, it's like, okay, well, how do I, de- how do I identify my chains? How do right. I recognize them? I would start with, I think, the simplest way is look what is giving you an emotional reaction to something. Mm-hmm. Because if, if something is, is, is driving some kind of reaction out of you um, that's significant, you might start to analyze that um, because that's something that whether or not you you think it is it's important to you
0: yeah
1: Um, and then you can kind of work instead of working outside in because there's so many of those outside things that you just kind of listed off there start with you and then work out
0: yeah and i think most people try to be proactive in that what you're saying is like okay let me identify that and let me stop it right away but I do think the way to retrain the brain is noticing when it happens and pairing that with like, okay, this is one of those things that is chaining me. So the next time something similar comes up, I'm gonna to try to build that reaction where I, I change my reaction to it or I change my decision to it. Yeah. And then through the pairing you're learning a new habit, right? And so a lot of times again, like I was saying, a lot of times people come in, they're like, help me eat better or help me stop smoking or help, mm-hmm. help me stop having caffeine or change these decisions these poor decisions these impulsive decisions and there's a lot that goes into it but the first step is like you got to recognize when it's happening happening right recognize that pattern have that thought after okay i don't like this or this is what's holding me back and then keep doing that until it becomes a forethought instead of an afterthought yeah and that's hard to do (laughs) it is it's It's really hard because sometimes you
1: might not even recognize it too yeah Um, like probably the most significant chain I had to break in my life too was, was religion. Mm -hmm. So, uh, growing up, so I was born into a community of people where Catholicism was like their life. Mm -hmm. So when I'm, when I'm a child, I have no consent over any of this where it's, I'm baptized, I'm brought to church every Sunday. And this is all stuff that's the, the people who love me, who care for me, who show me the way of the world they're all doing this too. So you just go along with it. There's no resistance against it. You're a child. You're kind of incapable of critical thought at times, most of the time.
0: (laughs) Until you're 25.
1: Yeah. Um, And actually that's right around when I started to develop it. But um, so so you you have this, you have this idea of, okay, um, this is how you're supposed to live life, this Catholic lifestyle, these rules. Mm. Um, And then you start to get a little bit older. So like uh, when I was like eight years old, you start to think more about this idea of hell. Where it's like, okay, um, you know, this isn't a timeout where you just get sent in the corner for five minutes. That seems like forever. This is actually forever. Like, so um, I remember being on like vacation um, and we were like somewhere up in New Hampshire on a Saturday night. We stayed at a hotel and we wake up Sunday morning and here I am thinking, oh no, like this is church morning. Like we're so far away from our church. Are we going to make it in time? And then thinking back to CCD class, these Catholic education classes where we were told like, okay, if you break a commandment or something, if it's on accident, you can get forgiveness. Um, And so here I am with like as an eight-year-old having this existential crisis because I'm like, okay, I'm aware that I'm breaking a commandment that says go to church every week. Um, But what if my parents aren't aware? And then I have my younger brothers there too. If no one else is aware they're doing on an accident. Their souls can be saved. But you're <laughs> Right. So I'm like, do I bring them in on this and try to save everybody, including myself? Right. Is it selfish with me to do that? And I don't know if I was able to think through it that clearly at eight, but right. it's something that's like weighing at me. So I'm like, here I am sitting at like a continental breakfast at like a holiday in, in New Hampshire, eating steel cantaloupe, being like, what do I do? Right. Um, so then, and it, we can look at it now, being like, okay, that's a cute little story. It's it's an ignorant kid who doesn't know, doesn't know much, but it was so real, and right?
0: It, it, but but like like you were saying, it it built it strengthens the chain down the line. So like even right. though it's cute, uh, and it is cute, um, <laughs> it can make that. You know, you're kind of talking about anxiety and yeah. seven. Five, six, seven, eight, that's when big emotions start actually being felt, right? Which makes sense. And so it's like, you're having this big emotion to... Anyone else would be like, dude, it's okay. Like Relax, it'll be fine. But we don't talk about that with those those age kids because you are like, oh, they don't understand. But here you are at eight having this, I'm going to hell. Like, how do I do this? Am I an asshole if I bring my family into it so we're all saved or... Do I let them just get forgiveness and I'll be the one taking the hit?
1: Right. So, um, so then like you were saying, I, I built, it. Changed, the the chain became stronger. So throughout my, my childhood, my teenage years into my early 20s, I was living in fear. Uh, I, I was anxious. I was scared. At times I was upset or angry because I didn't understand it. Um, I was worried about a lot about other people where it's like if they deviate from this Catholic rule book, this Catholic lifestyle, then what if they have this eternal damnation of suffering right and is it my responsibility to try to help them and then you get into telling other people how to live their life and it gets really messy and ugly and you're not and and the the idea behind i would i would imagine most people of the catholic faith would say like love everyone that idea gets so murky and confusing right and it wasn't until about my mid twenties when I started to do develop the idea that to think critically where I'm like, okay, you know, the only reason I'm I have this mindset is because I was born in an area where it was valued. Um, I was taught by people who love me. And and these are fantastic people who like do amazing things for everybody, everybody, myself included. Um, no one was directly saying, you're going to go to hell. Watch out for this. It was just the fact that it existed. Mm -hmm. So I I want to make sure if anyone's listening, I'm not blaming anybody. It's um, a lot of the people who brought me into this faith were raised in similar ways. So I can understand that a lot of the reason why we even developed it was we were born into an area where that was the norm and that was imprinted upon us. Um, If I was born somewhere else in the world, perhaps I had a different religion or no religion. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really gives you that lens to look through life and for me that lens didn't work so that was
0: a chain that i had to break right so do you uh just to follow up to that so you broke free from that chain do you consider yourself spiritual or religious or do you still follow any faith or
1: no i'm I'm more of and and again if anyone's listening they might be freaking out thinking (laughs) like (laughs) we're like like, oh he's definitely going to hell now we need to save him the devil's got him um But, um, no, I, I found, um, a lot more comfort and, um, serenity in learning about, um, really what it is to be a human. Mm. Um, and I came at that through mostly science. Right. Um, so kind of just understanding like how we function, how we work and, and, um, kind of like why we act and think the ways that we do. Right. Um, because now now I had answers to why I felt and why I had certain emotions versus before it was like, well, oh, God gave me this feeling or right. um, God gave me cancer. Oh, it's to make me stronger or something. And it's like, no, it's I was exposed to something or some gene randomly mutated. Right. Yeah. Um. So so instead of that. That idea of that, like, questioning that why, that feeling that pain, like, why would God do this to me? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very much like, okay, no, I can understand what happened and better adapt to it. So it's like one less weight, right. one less chain that right. I have holding me back.
0: And I think that marries perfectly where, you know, I'm sure the listeners are, are like, just get to that part where he's able to deal with, like, <laughs> some craziness and, and be okay with it. Um, I think that blends perfectly with that. But before we get to that conversation, I do want to talk a little bit. Um, I had a very similar upbringing as you. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of questions being younger, being religious. I have nothing against the Catholic faith at all. I was raised in it. You know, I, my parents are amazing. My family's amazing. They're all Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect that and, and their ability to find that there. I. Two was like, okay, well, there are some things that don't match up for me, right. right? Like seeing, you know, love everyone, but there's a lot of talk of sinners and, and, and you know, finality of that and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, how you have to prophes pro- is it prophetize? I know you Whatever. I wish I had a fact checker. <laughs> Maybe I should hire someone to fact check. Um, how you have to go out there and, and help other people Conform right. to your belief of how spread the is. word, yeah. And I think that can be really strong because you it can develop a sense of community, and it, you know if people, uh, if that is attractive to people, that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was having a really hard time dealing with that, and so I, you know, my brother, he does martial arts. He lived in China for a while, very into the philosophical kind of aspect of religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think i was in eighth grade when we moved to belchertown and and i started he started talking to me a lot about like buddhism uh, Taoism, things of that nature and i started exploring that really deeply and he brought me to see the dalai lama speak when i was 17 in high school in new york it was amazing mm-hmm. and so i kind of consider myself buddhist in philosophy right like I, I wouldn't call myself a buddhist in the sense of a religious aspect but my philosophy in life is very uh very similar to buddhist um philosophy and even psychology how i practice therapy is very much based on some of the tenets of that and the interesting juxtaposition that i found was that and you kind of hinted at it too was there was a real feeling of have, have you seen the good place on tv oh no is it the one with Kristen Bell? Yeah, yeah 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 i've seen previews all right so it. it's really good uh, it's by Mike uh, Mike Shore. If you like The Office or Parks and Rec or mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Night oh, okay. Night. he he did all those. Um, it's a point system, right? So like the Good Place is all about the afterlife, and people earn points based on how they act, or they lose points based on how they act. And that's the feeling I was getting. It's like, okay, we're my mom and dad are gonna kill me. <laughs> we're we're being told to kind of live this life and i and i agree with a lot of the aspects of how to treat uh, others kindly and, mm-hmm. and things oh that yeah major.
1: it's great stuff too
0: but i get a feeling a lot of time from people it's like okay i do this to earn my place in heaven that's it's, it's very selfish yeah um and when i look at buddhism the philosophy behind it there's only like four major tenets it, and it splits down but the four noble truths are you know suffering exists mm-hmm. there's an end to suffering Uh, the way to end suffering is, uh, to detach from a lot of things, to let go of a lot of things. Yep. And then the last one is like, you do that by living a a right life, living a right, you know, having a right job, you know, speaking truth, uh, doing no harm, things of those natures. And that seemed very much like, oh, okay. Suffering is something that affects everyone right and so if, if i do my part it's not just selfish it helps other people do their part because if i speak the truth it encourages other people to speak the truth or it, it kind of leads or models right so it, it kind of creates this uh blossoming out of that mm-hmm. right and i'm you know in, in catholicism you, you can also do that too but i i just felt mm-hmm. like it wasn't very much like hey earn your place to nirvana by doing all these things right Right. Like there is a concept in that religious token, too, but it's more like, hey, suffering exists, but we got to move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. So I bring that up because I think that directly relates to how we started the conversation with that ability to. And I think you were talking about it with your uh, delving into science, too, is understanding like, hey, this stuff happens on a biological level. Right. Right. There's no need to curse someone out. There's no need to you know, fall on your knees dramatically and be like, why me? <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that, that idea kind of comes to is, is okay. When negative stuff happens, it's okay to feel an emotion. It, it's healthy to feel an emotion. It's okay to feel anger or, or grief or guilt or sadness or happiness or whatever. Um, and we honor those emotions, which is a big tenet of mine. A lot of people who mm-hmm. listen, understand that, um, but then how do you move forward, right? And right. I think that's the biggest crux for a lot of people is like you can get stuck in this victim mentality of why me and woe is me. And I don't have to tell you that, but right. um, at some point, you either have to take responsibility of how you continue to live after that or, or you just get stuck there. And then it becomes, well, everyone sucks. Everyone, this is your <laughs> fault. This is, You know, the thing I use in here a lot of times is if I walk out today and get hit by a car, and hopefully this is real wood, um, (laughs) and break both my legs, I'm a pretty active guy, I'm going to be in a period of depression after that, in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could be crotchety about it, and be like, that guy took my life away from me, I'll never run another mud race, I'll never be able to do this and just complain all the time. Or I could say, okay, let me process this, let me honor these emotions, and then... What's my next step? Where do I go from here? And I think that's kind of what you were hinting at 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 the beginning of just like, hey, I was already prepared, so now it's just an execution of like how you move forward, right? And then, um, yeah, because it's also
1: too bringing back the
0: scientific perspective,
1: like, and and I get why, like, like someone in my position when they're young, they'd be like, oh, this sucks, you know, like I'm I'm so young, why do I have to deal with this? Um, But then. If you try to really understand, like what it means to be a human, it's only within the last couple hundred years that we've really started living past the age thirty. Right. Like, like I'm kind of right historically speaking for humans. Yeah. I'm like right where it would be where you start to like like the I think the average life for a human, if you exclude the last couple hundred years, was about age thirty. Mm. Um, so so it's like okay, understanding that perspective that it's just I happen to exist in a time period where peers and people around me typically will live longer. Mm. So it's like, okay, you know, it's ha- having that perspective. I can say, all right, well, how's that going to make me feel? Is that something that should upset me? Um, it, maybe it's something that would upset others, but I, I just look at it as it's like, okay, no, it's just like a fact. right? Um, so I can just push that aside. I don't have to deal with it. Um, so, so then it becomes kind of just a, what is it that would, of weigh me down chain me up if you want to say yeah. um, in, in terms of um, emotions and struggles and difficulties and being able to identify those things so i know how to cope with them or how to adjust or adapt um, my wife hates the word adapt but I'm, I'm always like all right how do i adapt how do yeah. i adapt <laughs> which is probably why it drives her nuts but, <laughs> she, she but, only hated
0: it because you started using
1: it so yeah much. yeah and that's it she probably loved the word before um but um, again, coming back to like what makes you a human, um, that's what we do.
0: Yeah, That's um, our, our superpower as a being. Is, is adaptation. Being, yeah. yeah.
1: So it, um, o- over, over history, you can look at just uh, even other species too. Like th- that idea of survival of the fittest. It was just who was able to adapt and who wasn't. Right. So I prefer that when I have things that are in my control, I prefer to try to adapt because right. then I have continued survival. And then I have fantastic friends, family, um, community that support me. Um, I've had some some friends who put together fundraisers for me. That's awesome. So I can help take care of medical bills. So I have like like that's just extra bonus too, because it's like you never expect. I mean, you know, you're surrounded by wonderful people, but when they like when they just bring bring basically life to you. Yep. So so it's like anytime if I started to get like down about anything i can just understand well there's all these people who are like literally investing in my life Mm -hmm. um and that's just that's a powerful feeling because we're so driven by our connection to others that knowing that um there's other people who value my existence i'm able to kind of double down on that and avoid the negative emotions
0: and there have been a lot of um studies that show that that connection that relationship with other people um who are very similar to you actually is really healthy to longevity of life mm-hmm. right and so you know you're you're in this frame of mind where you're like well oh, look i'm already on the plus side of the average human 100 years ago so <laughs> yeah let's just keep it going and everything's a win after that right um, which is a really refreshing point of view to kind of keep going and keep making moves um I what you did touch upon it too is I want people to understand that it's not that it's all happiness, right? All the time. No. You, there are dips <laughs> and valleys of, of, of this, as you mentioned, but the way you kind of move yourself forward, is like, look, these people are here for me. They're investing in my life, and I'm going to give them a good return investment. Right. Um, I think that's a really important thing to kind of put in there, because I know that some people may be listening and like, damn, man, how is this guy so happy? All yeah, yeah. And, and that's one thing I always try to be careful of too because I understand. Also, I'm in a
1: position right now where the, where the medication that I take that keep that's keeping me alive right now, um, when I was diagnosed, the doctor said, all right, you have one to two years to live. So that was a year and four months ago. Um, so I've, since then, I've been taking a medication that's keeping me alive, and there's these like long list of side effects And I've been fortunate where I only have, like, a few of them that I have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in terms of what I've had to deal with so far, I haven't had to deal with, like, the crippling, debilitating stuff that some people do. Um, So I don't want to make it sound like, oh, hey, you know, cancer's a breeze or anything. (laughs) But, but like, I'm also very aware that it's like, okay, there will become a time where things get a lot more difficult for me. Mm. So, um, Uh, it's more of kind of just understanding okay what am I facing now how do I prepare myself for when things get more difficult and having people in my life that I've seen have cancer and go through it I kinda know what to expect where some pitfalls might be Um, and then it's a matter of okay you know now that I have the road map I know where I can walk what to avoid Um, just keep that mindset and then it's just a matter of living other than that because it's like, um, like my oncologist says, like, we're just all quality of life at this point. Like right. I, I, I literally had to sign paperwork that saying that, like, we're not here to cure you.
0: We're just here to try to manage your symptoms so you can maintain quality of life. Yeah. Damn man, you're refreshing to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, I, I, we could go on forever. Um, I want to have you back in the future and yeah. kind of touch base because I, I think there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, Um, I think we could go online. And I'm sure some of the friends are like, but you didn't. Some of the listeners are like, (laughs) you didn't circle back to this. We'll do it in another podcast. Relax. Um, So two questions I always end the podcast with. You Mm -hmm. said you've listened to a couple, so you know what's coming. Oh, I'm prepared. Uh, What is, like if you had to choose, what would your superpower be? And then Mm -hmm. the flip side of that is uh, what do you think your superpower is? So I don't I don't know how many times over the past like
1: month I've been preparing for this question <laughs> and I've changed my answer, but I came up with a new one yesterday that I think I feel pretty confident about. Nice, I like it. And the reason that I keep changing is because we'll, we'll go to that Spider Man quote from I think it's Uncle Ben mm-hmm. with great power comes great responsibility. Right. So th- so there's that in my mind where I'm like, okay, that's true because if you have a superpower, it's just you you have to worry about becoming corrupt using it for sure. yeah. for whatever you know and then i become a super villain i don't want to be a super villain right maybe i do but i, I don't think i do um so so my idea is but okay what can i have as a power that's not too powerful to right. the point where i start to lose it but i can still help other people so i think what i settled on is the ability to educate people and
0: allow them to see history that's awesome does that make sense no it makes it makes a lot of sense because it's a pretty cool superpower yeah i mean we could get into like to see history do you actually travel back into history to witness it or is it just a viewing i i, I guess a
1: viewing would be better because then we then we don't risk the butterfly effect yeah. or the alteration but um i, I think so much of where we are now in our shortcomings as a as um, as a species, as a society, um, we can trace back and see, oh, that was how it started. Right. Like, oh, we have it so wrong. Like, um, and and if you just, like, we'll go back to the religion part too. Yeah. If if you can take everyone who's ever had a religious war, or and you, even if it's like a disagreement with someone at a Thanksgiving table or something, yeah, and then and then you're understanding like. Oh, like all of this could have been avoided if we all have a, a common understanding of where we came from and what we are. Right. Um. So I, I think that would be the safest thing because I don't think if, if you take the educational power, education, I don't think is corrupt. Right. I, I think information, knowledge,
0: it's pure. Yeah. And then it's, it's just whether or not used, you're using it. Yeah. Or what's omitted or how you you curve it to your, again, fake news, man. Right. So much. Right. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with the education part. I think that's education and history.
0: Nice. That's great. I like that. you put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> I so have. It's a, the good. hardest
1: question, but it's a good question.
0: Future guests, do your homework, man, because Andrew's just <laughs> destroying you with his answers. Um, all right, so second part of the question, what do you yep. think your, your superpower
1: is? It kind of ties into the first, where... I, I think my superpower in the second one is just always assuming that I know nothing. Um, and, and kind of trying to, I think we were talking about it before the podcast started, mm-hmm. trying to approach anything with an empty cup. Um, because if it's full, then there's not really any room for learning. Right. Um, and I, I think learning is essential. So if you can, um, so I work in education, if you can critically think, and you can understand why you think and act the way that you do, right. I would say that's the foundation for setting yourself up for
0: a serene life. Where... Yeah, because it's the it's the best way to adapt, really, is if you yeah. can understand your own system or your how you fit into a system as a cog, you're able to adapt so much better because you already know, okay, this isn't working, let me move forward in this way or redirect that. I agree 100% yeah so so i like that so you're using the quote of like be an empty vessel so you can mm-hmm. fill yourself up with knowledge yeah
1: and then so. that helps get rid of anger and frustration and fear and all that stuff too um because so much of it is the unknown yeah. or what we're uncomfortable with that we that we get scared of or that that we're we don't feel good about or that angers us or frustrates us but if you can just say well i don't know anything i'm here to learn right
0: there's not much to be scared about It's the beginner's mind yeah. Right? Oh, you know, yeah you approach everything yep in that way and i think it i think you're right it helps move through those emotions because you start to understand those emotions and you see them as the message that they are rather than oh this thing is is so fear-inspiring, I'm shutting down. You're like, hey, this is fear-inspiring because this, let me kind of adapt how I go about it or let me use that energy to, to overcome it or work through it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that is, I, I don't know, that, that's the superpower, right? That adapting is yeah. really... It's, it's what we do best. Yeah, really, I mean, that's why we're here, right? Like, if you, yep. if you look at the evolution of, of us... Mm-hmm. It's because we've been able to adapt. Yes. And I want to end on one last thing because we've talked so much about it and then I'll let you go. Um, I heard this really, really cool quote one time about how every animal, if you look at how animals are born, for the most part, they're born ready for the world. You know, like a horse can get up and walk right after. They're they're born in these certain ways. They have the skills that they need to survive Mm -hmm. um, because... The body and, and life is just adapted to change, really. And so along the line, they learned somehow, hey, you know, we're, we're being born. We need to be able to move in case something happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you look at that, you know, as a young kid, I'm like, oh, why do tigers have claws and teeth like that? Why don't we have something <laughs> to protect us like that? And I, I heard this really cool quote about that. And it's it's that humans do have that power, but our power is connection. Right, our ability to ask for help, right? Because when you think of a, a younger kid, they're born with the ability to make a noise to to like a baby, not a younger kid. I don't know why. said. When a baby's born, they instantly cry, mm-hmm. right? And we it can be annoying as a parent. Like I'm gonna own that. Like it can be <laughs> definitely be annoying, <laughs> but like they're telling you that, like what's up, and it takes a while for you to get to know that pattern. Mm-hmm. But you do get to know it. And that is just the whole idea of that quote I don't know it exactly. It's like that is our biggest um, our biggest abilities to communicate our needs and ask for help. Yeah, right and if we can hold on to that if we if we throw out all the all this toxic bullshit about like hey man up and cowboy up or whatever. We're born, everyone's born with the ability to connect and ask for help. And we just have to remind ourselves sometimes. that that's that's our superpower, too, is adapting. I think that's why we are able to adapt, because we can kind of navigate that way. Yeah, I like that. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. It was just great to talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at theprometheumproject.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project, or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at theprometheumproject.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media, and Instagram and on Facebook and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.